1: what's up everyone i'm noah daniels and we're here for another episode of the real hauntings podcast on this episode we've got joshua he's back it's been a hot second since joshua has been on to co-host with us and he was kind enough to jump in on this
2: episode yeah. joshua how are you doing it's so great to see you yeah i'm uh, i'm glad to be here and like i said the last time Uh, If I could find time, I'm going to be here. This is a great night
1: for me. Awesome. We appreciate you being here so much. And how can our audience find all your amazing um, content online?
2: Yeah. uh, So follow me at Joshua Darren, D-A-I-R-E-N. It's that on every social platform. So that's Instagram, Elon's thing, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, Find across a thousand subscribers despite not using it. So that's cool. You can also find me on Alabama Vintage be Unsolved, yeah, and I'll be doing some, some strange escapes with Amy Bruni in November, again, so life is moving fast, so follow me there, I like to talk send me stories, awesome, well we're so happy
1: um, for all the cool stuff you have going on and it's so much fun to watch your journey Now, we had a guest reach out to us via email. Um, He's a fan of the show and he's also a podcaster. We're so excited to interview him. TC, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, TC, you know what we love to find out when we start our episodes is where our guest falls on the Believo meter, zero meaning they don't believe in ghosts at all, and 10 ghosts are absolutely real. Where do you fall on that scale? I think when I sent the email, I think I said I was like a four
3: or a five on the, you know, kind of the rational skeptic perspective because I always I'm always looking for a a different explanation for things that happen and some of the things that have happened in my life. I just I cannot rationally skepticize the way to drive that point home. I walked three and a half or so miles away from my house to type out my very long story on my smartphone in the middle of the countryside. So I wasn't talking about it in the house. So I don't know, does that rate me as
1: not a very rational skeptic? So that actually reminds me of Joshua. That that seems like if, if he felt like there was going to conjure activity in his home, I could see him uh, taking a beat from his uh, house and and doing something like that. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> I've right? actually done that. So uh, that is very accurate.
1: TC, what made you want to reach out to us? What is it about the supernatural that made you want to share your story with our audience?
3: Well, more than anything, I wanted to share just with you guys and, you know, Hey, if you open up to having me, you're open to having me come on and talk about it. Great. But I just wanted you guys to hear that there are other people out there who are, you know, cause when you guys started the show, I mean, it's going on over three years now, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Almost four years.
3: You were all real low on the, on the bar. Yeah. As far as where you were at. And I'm like, Hey, there are other people out there who have had some experiences. So just, you know, be encouraged that, you can have experiences and still not be, you know, off the charts, woo woo. And, you know, everything that everybody claims is uh, supernatural actually is. And there may actually be other explanations for it. And some of those some of the experiences that I've had, I just I, I don't know how else to explain them away other than to say it's supernatural.
1: In the email, you talked about, you know, the reason you are kind of in that mid-road part on the meter is you've had experiences that you kind of chalk up to self-induced delusions. You know, that's an interesting way that you put that. Can you tell us about some of those experiences? Yeah,
3: so I'm going to be 53 this month, so you guys are going to have to go back with me in the in the way back machine. When I was in high school, actually, it was right after I graduated, a group of friends of mine uh, in, in 89 we decided we were going to go check out one of the local haunted houses. And the only way to get there, and this was down in Southwest Iowa, and the only way to get there to this place called Hawthorne House was without being caught because the local sheriff's office patrolled this area heavily to keep people out of it because it was notorious for people going in, breaking windows, trying to take souvenirs, was to go back country. So we were going to walk a set of railroad tracks all the way to where we thought the the closest rear entry for this place was. And we got what we presumed to be maybe halfway there. We were convinced we were being followed by wild dogs. And we were seeing uh, eyes in the, in the, I I noticed everybody's head got very interested, (laughs) got that interested dog cock to it. (laughs) We became convinced that there were a pack of wild dogs following us and we could see their eyes in, in the moonlight and decided we didn't want to go any further and so we took off going back the direction we came from, running down the, the railroad track. And it was so, in, such an intense experience that several of us actually climbed up on a train trestle to try and get away from these animals, these, these dogs that we thought were following us. And a train, an Amtrak went by. And after it went by, everybody got back down and fin- finished running the rest of the way back to. The several vehicles that we had, and it was only years after the fact that I realized that it was one person seeing one thing, claiming it was something that got everybody else to see it and to buy into it. There was no, there, there was no, there was no plot. There was no, hey, let's go out there and one of us is going to see something and we're going to fool everybody. It literally just happened. Part of it is, as you know, it's it's late at night. You psyched yourself up to this experience of going to this haunted house late at night. You're already sneaking. And then it was just one yap from, it could have been a farmer's dog for all we knew. But we also were aware of a wild dog problem in the area. They were everywhere. I'd had an experience with a pack of dogs, a small pack of wild dogs that had come out and tried to, I don't know what they were going to do with me, but I was taking cardboard out at the grocery store I worked at and they came out from around the dumpster and we're Of advancing on me. So the reality of the wild dogs scenario was there, but not one of us actually saw one, but we were all convinced that it had happened. That made me go, you don't have to set out to fool anybody. You don't have to set out to get somebody to see things like that. You can just have that experience and everybody will buy into it.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like a projected imagery of the telephone game when kind of chaos erupts, especially in what what feels like spooky places. Well, I know in the email you referred to them as evil supernatural beasts. So, I mean, if, if that was a description, you guys must have been, you know, like pretty it. terrified. Although I do love the idea of, especially if you're doing like an 80s movie, kids starting out with this exact scenario and then like running, jumping the train, being, you know, and the train coming by and that being the kickoff and all the kids kind of being like, ah, you know, that was nothing. But then, you know, like the big bad is, is- It does right make up. for a
3: good story though, doesn't
1: it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it It, does. Absolutely.
2: it could really goes somewhere. You know what I find interesting about your story though? You said you had an experience with the wild dogs previously and they were kind of advancing on you. And I find the characteristics of the the dogs in this instance to be a little bit different. I think, you know, I, and I am I think I'm a pretty good skeptical believer. I try to logic my way out of things, but just being from the country as well and kind of knowing how animal patterns are, I find it strange that they didn't actually advance on a group of, you know, fresh meat, essentially, uh, especially with wild dogs. It, it doesn't take long for dogs to really go feral after a period of not time. A, yeah, not not at all. Yeah, especially when they find a pack. So there there could be, maybe way back when, that could have been some type of supernatural experience, even if it was just a warning to not go to that house.
1: Definitely kept us away, Joshua. So yes, it, was. it did. <laughs> Whatever it was, it, mind or matter, it, it it worked. Well, I was going to ask too. So you, you said it was like somebody kind of claiming, and then it kind of the ball rolled from there. And of course, we'll get into your other stories. The person who saw them, how detailed was their description of the experience?
3: You know, I can't even remember, you know, who it was. There was It was a group of like six or seven of us. And so I don't remember who it was that first spotted what they thought was, you know, uh, these eyes, you know, in the, the, the train tracks that we were following or down in a uh, kind of a, a little bit of a, a rut, if you will, the way it was built up. There was a slight slope on either side of the train tracks going up and we were following it. And one of us said, Hey man, there's something up there watching us. And the, and the others looked and that was just quickly set in that we were being, you know, followed by these or stalked by these, these animals. And we just didn't want to mess with it. The idea of it being something that was trying to keep us away from the Hawthorne house, of course, never crossed our mind at the time. This was everybody. There was a day before the internet. So this was before anybody had the, the ability to go online and look things like that up. You, everything would have been done through a library. So we just like, we weren't going to monkey with it. And somewhere in our minds, we were all close enough as friends. Like one of us is seeing something. The rest of us had better be very wary. And and it took off from there. So hmm. it, And that made me skeptical in the sense of, can you always believe what someone you trust says
2: they're seeing? And should you always believe what someone you trust says they are seeing? Do you know of any like urban legend persisted in that area outside of the Hawthorne house? So maybe in some of the woods or was it kind of just a sterile environment of something that you'd heard other people do? Where uh...
3: There was nothing. If you're asking like something historically where other people had seen something like that, not that we were aware of. The Hawthorne house had its own lore, but it was never really outside of the... Parameters of the property itself, or inside of the prop, you know, the the house itself, which we never got to test the limits of because we found out we were actually cowards and never tried to go back.
1: <laughs> hey, it's it's okay to survive uh, in advance sometimes, you know. Well, the next thing that you brought up in your email is something that I find interesting. I, I don't know if everyone experiences something like this, but I know that people do feel that they have, you know, even at a very base level, like, oh, this is my lucky number, or there's numbers that they see everywhere. And somebody feel like somebody, some people feel like, you know, it's part of a, um, you know, like, these are my angel numbers, these numbers keep me safe, or these numbers warn me that things are happening. I have a set of numbers. And it's not even like a thing that I take super serious or anything like that. But I see them everywhere. And they have just kind of worked their way into like the mythology of my life. It's fascinating how that happens to us. I don't know if it's just because we're human beings and we like patterns. And, and, you know, I think sometimes we like things to help us make sense of the bigger picture. And maybe that's part of that. But I'd love for you to walk us through uh, your relationship with that because I found your story to be very fascinating.
3: I learned to tell time by looking at a regular, you know, clock on the wall with hands eventually got to the point where, you know, my alarm clock was digital and then everybody, you know, the microwave would, you know, all of a sudden have a digital clock on it. And then your clock at work would become digital. And so I kind of phased into that. And probably in my mid-teens, I started to experience the number 1111. Now, at the time, it meant nothing to me uh, other than I kept seeing, having this, I'd get off, you know, I'd have a class that got done at eleven eleven. I would wake up at eleven eleven at night, eleven dollars and eleven cents in change or eleven dollars and eleven cents in gas, which was a lot of gas back then, by the way. And it wasn't ever anything that I was looking for. It was just, you know, put the put the nozzle in the gas, you know, the gas tank spout, put the control lever on and just go, and then all of a sudden it would stop at eleven eleven. And so I just kept seeing this over and over again. And it wasn't until years later that I found out that 11.11 had become a phenomenon in the world, not just, you know, in the Midwest or, you know, in the United States, but across, you know, around the world. And people were very, you know, kind of skeptical of it and saying, you know, it's correlation versus causation. Is this actually a thing or, you know, is it, is there something being communicated to you? And that stayed with me for years, all the time, all the time. I could i can never get away from it uh and then in uh, july of 2005 my my dad was killed in a work accident and you know that's tragic i mean i was you know a, a young dad at the time and I, both my daughter and my son were were with us and you know my daughter was three my son was right at a year i'm not really paying much attention to everything else that's going on and then my father's autopsy report comes in from the coroner and it gives me chills to even talk about it. When they inventoried all of his items, they inventoried the cash and change that he had in his pocket, and it was eleven dollars and eleven cents on the nose. And how do you, you know, I look at I look at my mom, you know, who has had some time to process this coroner's report, the this, this autopsy, and I was like, oh, that explains it and she was like what are you talking about and i i said i can't i can't explain it to you you're never you're, you're never going to understand ever since then 1111 is not happening 1111 has just not been a thing for me ever since then what was it i don't know was it the universe was it something supernatural trying to you know communicate something to me who knows there's nothing I could have done to prevent the the accident with that information, but that was the most uncanny, like goosebump or you know, goose pimple, whatever your vernacular is for your region. That
2: one stuck with me in that moment. I kind of relate to this one a lot. I, I also see number 11, 11 is one, one, one is one. Uh my actual birthday is one, which is insane to me. And so I, I it's kinda it kind of gave me the chills a little bit too, because You never really know what essentially is being communicated to you but sometimes like it it, like it just kind of catches you off guard or um yeah that's a that's definitely a heavy in in that regard of I I think this is one of the first stories I've actually heard or went a different direction because I was expecting you to be like yeah then I saw 11-11 I put that on my lottery ticket and you know but it kind of went a different way which is sombering in a way very similar to how I, I feel like people uh go to cemeteries and they kind of stand face to face with their own like mortality in in a sense. So it's kind of making you more hyper-aware of the world around you in a sense. So that's definitely an interesting, those are hard to explain ways coincidences, you know. I I
1: have no explanation for it, Josh. It's just none. I, I'm with you. It's just like I don't just wait till you hear his next story if you think uh that one is interesting in that same way. Well, TC, when you saw that or you saw that number kind of protruding through your life at that time, and then you get the information from the autopsy. Did receiving that information? did you feel relief, curiosity? what What did having that information actually do for you?
3: without going without going into you know a background of you know, like I, I come I't no, I won't go into detail. I came from a very conservative Christian background growing up where none of that stuff is real. You know, Josh, I've heard you talk about this and I know, you know, Noah, you and JJ and Kat have all kind of talked around this before. There's that really weird perspective where either everything is supernatural within Christianity or there's no such thing as supernatural. For me, some of the experiences that I've had have been this cognitive disconnect where, okay, I don't know how to explain this. And that was that situation with that number not thinking a lot about it other than seeing it all the time and then getting that information you know from the autopsy from the coroner's report and going okay couldn't you just tell me what you wanted me to know instead of doing this to me for my entire life and 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 you know josh like you said you know people going okay finally i'm gonna buy a a lottery ticket or you know i'm gonna Pay this much for this particular, you know, eleven thousand eleven hundred dollars for this particular car that I've been looking at for a long time, and it's going to work out perfectly. No, it was that in my mind. I'm saying to myself, if it, now it felt like it was a warning, and what was I supposed to do with that? So there was. I was actually kind of disgruntled, pissed off. To use a, to use terminology like, okay, so you were telling me something, but how am I supposed to read that? I'm
2: just. It's just me. I'm just a human being. Uh, at this time, how was your, your level of like spirit, spirituality at this time? Were you someone who was leaning more towards the supernatural? Or were you someone who really leaned into that uh, conservative Christian background? I
3: had never dismissed the supernatural wholly. What I saw within Christianity was, and not to push this on anybody else, but if you're going to be a Christian and you're going to say there is a God and there is evil and there is good and God is the epitome of good and i don't see god and satan as equal uh partners in a fight and if you know anything about christianity that's not how it works they're not at war there's there's a war but it's not the kind of it's not like the the us and germany going to war where it's kind of the you know equally powered com- you know groups fighting each other um it's very lopsided in the favor of god but there's still evil in the world and the bible is very clear there are demonic forces in the world if that's if you're going to be christian you have to embrace those things which means they're going to be supernatural things in the world no matter what you chalk it up to they're there they're real and you have to wrestle with that and i never took personally took the advice of everybody else of oh well that thing is definitely if it's not of god it's demonic Well, how can you say that? And that doesn't mean everything that you experience that is supernatural is also at the same time, a ghost or a demon. There's got, there could always be something else going on because
2: I don't know anything at all compared to the rest of the universe. I also come from a very strong Christian background, a very strong, there's only two sides to it. It's either angels and God or demons and, and Satan like there's no in between but as you've had your experiences and I know Noah's the same way but even myself there's there's more that we just don't understand and I think sometimes the, the Christianity aspect can get in the way for us trying to fully understand that but also understanding that we never will for instance have a Christian background and we believe in these supernatural forces there's got to be some stuff in between that is either isn't talked about we don't know about stuff that we can't explain, stuff that isn't necessarily all good, stuff that isn't necessarily all bad. Because if if we are a reflection of God and uh, this is the whole tangent, but nonetheless, you know, there's going to be some gray in between the black and white. So I was, I was just more so curious because I wanted to see kind of what your background was in terms of like the disgruntled, uh, because I, I do think that the supernatural is very diverse. And so not everybody's experience with angel numbers is going to be similar. And I think sometimes we even ourselves get put in, Put ourselves in a box and say okay i'm seeing angel numbers it's all the way good because the universe is telling me something Until uh, something, something bad happens yeah and sometimes it's not sometimes it's just an event sometimes it's something tragic sometimes it's something good uh so i think that this that story is important because it gives levity to some of the things that we look to in the supernatural to give us answers um and just a good reminder that you know um it can't all be good you know um, very realistic yeah. in my, my opinion. Yeah,
1: I think that, um, and I'm just speaking for myself, not the show or the guest. I think once I stopped thinking of religion as faith and more as hope, everything made mm-hmm. a lot more sense to me because yeah, the idea that certain people on earth have all the answers and they can propagate those answers to the masses without experiencing what is actually on the other side of life, is something I kind of have always struggled with, even like when I was, you know, growing up going to church, like all the time and, and, in a very conservative Christian background as well. For me, it's that not knowing is what pushes my curiosity so hard. And it's one of the reasons I enjoy this doing this podcast. I almost said that one of the reasons I enjoy this podcast, I enjoy uh, doing this podcast is because I feel like every now and then we do get little kernels of, you know, pieces to the puzzle. And it's fun to try to put those together in a way that makes sense to me. But yeah, I mean, just think of all the nuances in life we, there's stuff in the ocean we don't know about, there's stuff in the forest. We don't know. That's true. You know, so, I mean, there's so much discovery in our world. So to think that, that there isn't discovery in the supernatural or in the universe I think it's being a little short-sighted. So that's one of the reasons I found this story so fascinating, TC, is because it's unlike the majority of or really any of these types of stories that I heard. And it had such a definite, defining ending, you know, that unfortunately was pretty somber, as, as Joshua said. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. This episode of the Real Hauntings, Real Ghost Stories podcast is brought to you by Wild Grain. Hey everyone, it's Noah Daniels and I'm here to talk to you again about Wild Grain. Our last shipment of Wild Grain was so good that my four-year-old cannot stop asking for more of that awesome bread with dinner. And I'm not going to lie, I'm right there with him. And honestly, there's nothing quite like the smell of fresh bread baked coming from the oven. What if I told you that you too could get that delicious experience of homemade bread with none of the time and work involved? Well, you can by ordering from Wild Grain. Wild Grain is the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Every item bakes frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. And you can now fully customize your Wild Grain box, so you can choose any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries.
2: And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like
0: funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You know, following the theme of information and tragedy, can you tell us about what happened when you were in the shower? That's a, that's a weird segue. It's not very <laughs> often that I have another guy ask me to hear about what happened in the shower. Um, <laughs>
3: So this one I can't explain with anything other than, huh? So my, my daughter was uh, very young. So this would have been 1998. She's just a few months old and I had come home from work. I was a senior line chef uh, at a well-known restaurant and was going to take my, my wife out for dinner and a, and a movie that night. And so I rushed home, jumped in the shower and all of a sudden it, the all the water just goes ice cold. It felt it felt like the water was going ice cold. I felt the blast of cold water, and then I felt something pinch my ear, just pinch like like hard. And I'm like, well, that was weird. Talk about completely random. Maybe I shouldn't be driving tonight. Kind of experience, you know. And went to dinner, movie, came home, and the phone rings, and it's my grandmother. My maternal grandmother calling to tell me that my grandfather had passed away. They believe he had passed away at about 630 that evening, which was about the exact same time I was in the shower and the water went cold and I felt a pinch on my ear. Well, grandpa was notorious when we would visit. If he felt like you were in the shower for too long, he would go run a nice cold cup of water in the kitchen, walk over, open up the door when you weren't paying attention and throw the water over the top of the shower on you. And then the other thing that he was notorious for doing was pinching your ear. Grandma pinched the back of your arm. Anybody with a grandma who goes to church knows how that feels. Um, but grandpa would pinch your ear. And he was an old German farmer. And so when he pinched your ear, it was between like two rock calluses on his fingers. You you felt that. And I'm not advocating for for that. That's just the way they were. But all of a sudden, I went, holy crap. There's no way for me to explain this other than grandpa was stopping by to, you know, give me the ribbon before he he took off. I had no other way
1: to explain it. None. No other way. No other way. Clearly sounds like some kind of communication from the the beyond as he was passing. You know, we hear these stories from time to time. We had, gosh, one of our super early on episodes on with, um, Andy, who's the director out in L.A., does a lot of commercial work. I want to say it was his grandmother visited him in the middle of the night, the night she had passed and pinched his toes. And that was something she used to do to him all the time as a child. So that's, you know, if if you're going to be visited by the supernatural, I think at least in a weird way that can give you and you can speak to this some type of maybe easier closure, knowing that you had an extra final minute, or maybe they they cared about you so much, they wanted to give you that final minute of you know their being, maybe their love. And I hate to just go back to the question that I asked from your previous story, but I, I do think it's an important one. What was the lasting effect of that happening to you as you had kind of the self-realization of, wow, I think this was my grandfather?
3: You know, I think for anybody who goes through an experience like that, where you just literally don't have any other explanation for it, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, ghostly. It can just be a passing moment of, hey, I stopped to say goodbye. And I had kind of always had this strained relationship with my grandfather and that I wasn't ever, I, I wasn't what he was expecting, you know? And so when I joined the military, and my my grandfather had said to my parents, to my dad in particular, oh, they'll make a man out of him. And, and, and they looked at him. My dad looked at him and said, Well, he's joining the military. He's a man already. And yet for that experience to happen, and there's no way for me to how else do I describe that moment? I mean, it cold a cold blast of water, maybe, you know, maybe the other half was running hot water in the kitchen and completely forgot I was in the shower. There's a way to explain one thing. There's not a way to explain those two convergences of things that were both notorious prankster things for him to do. And all I could do could chalked that up to was he was telling me I was here and I'm saying goodbye. And I've never had any other experience with him in that regard. It's never there's never been a, another visitation, no conversations, not even dreams. So it just to me it was passing on, you know, to to whatever. But that was also in the same house or in the same apartment. It was a duplex that that had the other story about that exact same apartment. And this is gonna show you how old I really am and how old my kids really are. We all have baby swings. If you have kids, we all have baby swings. Um, Nowadays, they're all battery operated, right? At the time, back in the day, ours were not battery operated. We couldn't afford nothing fancy like a battery operated swing. Ours was just an old freestanding baby swing with the irregular arm over it. And that arm would lock so that it wouldn't just be swinging. Well, we had that thing locked, but as opposed to a battery operated, a ratcheting hand crank. Uh, my wife and I both woke up in the middle of the night to the sound of the of the ratchet turning. And you know, now imagine like a, a ratchet wrench. Imagine that, but imagine it louder on a bigger mechanism. and then the sound of the swing swinging. And I got up out of bed, shot up out of bed, and I'm like, I go looking, and that that swing was swinging, the seat. The The arm on the seat was closed. It was swinging and it was going back. And there was no way, no way that there was anybody else in the house. None. My daughter was not able to crawl at the time. Uh, my wife was in bed. There's no way in the world that, that that there's nothing to explain that other than it had to have been something supernatural
1: outside of the bounds of my understanding. The last one I want us to talk about, I have had something. This one simi- creeps me out more. Yeah, so. <laughs> this I have had something similar to this, but I only experienced it once. Knock on wood. So yeah, can you tell us about this one? So as I mentioned earlier, we live in a, a,
3: a older home. It's a very old Victorian. We affectionately refer to it as our Vicky, and it's not quite as classy as some of the other Victorians in town, but it's ours. And throughout the life, uh, once it was built by, there again, like I said, from somebody from the uh, Almanzo uh, Ingalls family, so it's got some history, it's served as a, rumor has it that at one time it served as a doctor's office slash hospital for this town, and if you know anything about how medicine and doctor's offices were back then, it wasn't like, you know, going to a sterile, you know, things happened, you know. But then it did, for a fact, also serve as a home for unwedded mothers. Whether or not the history is accurate about it serving as a doctor's home slash hospital slash doctor's office, jury's out on that. But it's not out on the home for unwed mothers. Well, that's a high intensity situation because back in the day, you know, Susie and, and Samantha and. Lori didn't, you know, get to stay at home and have their, their babies out of wedlock, and you know, and and not making a judgment. It's just the way it was. They, you you secreted your family members away until their uh, situation had resolved itself. And I actually, one of the town historians, um, frequently will drive people up and down our street to introduce them to our home and tell them she was born here. And so I have had several experiences, and one of them has been uh, repeated, where I have been in bed and awakened with the voice, and Josh shaking his head, awakened by a young female voice leaning over me, tapping, you know, apparently tapping me and saying, hey, hey, it's time to wake up time to go. And of course, if you've ever been in that situation, <laughs> Josh, stop shaking your head. You're gonna make me laugh. Your initial reaction is to think it's a family member, right? Like, oh, I overslept. I slept through my alarm clock. And then rolling over and and seeing, I don't know how else to describe it, but on several occasions, a, a 1920s style flapper girl. If you guys are familiar what, with what the flapper girls look like, think, you know, uh, the great Gatsby. Um, someone dressed like that, leaning over you and then fading, fading out. No one ever believes me when I tell this story. And it's happened to me on several occasions and not just when I'm, you know, like having, running a fever, you know, wasn't, you know, up drinking too late the night before it's been pretty normal situations where I've heard that, Hey, Hey, It's time to wake up it's time to go and rolling over and now i'm to the point where i know if it were to happen again i'd be like i'm not looking i'm not looking i'm not (laughs) looking and it it gives you the willies and then i did i have had another experience where i fell asleep one night i i don't do well sleeping in a room with someone who's sick I don't know if anybody else gets that experience, but like, if you got, I don't care if it's a stomach bug, I don't care if it's a respiratory thing, even if I know I'm not going to get it, I don't want to be in the room with you when you have it. And so I will sometimes choose to sleep on the couch. And in one experience, I woke up in the middle of the night with, I swear was a doctor leaning over me in an old style, you know, not, not your scrubs that you see today. But the old style frock cloak robe thing leaning over me with what appeared to be a scalpel. And it scared me so bad that I was very thankful that I had I had developed a habit of carrying a firearm with me because of my career field that I was in, because people would threaten, I'm gonna find you. You know, they'd be mad at me, I'm gonna find you and I'm gonna, you know, get you for what you and I had taken to setting it far enough across the room where but I was so freaked out by that experience, I started to reach for my firearm. I, it scared me that bad, and and then gone, just gone like that. Like not, not a fade out, nothing, you know, nothing in a movie. The jump scare wasn't being there and then disappearing that fast. I, I'm like, I'm nope, never, nope, not doing that again. Nope, no more Nyquil ever. No, like, <laughs> no and i hadn't taken anything that night so i'm like i'm not going to open myself up to that at all which is why when i was sending you the email i'm like i'm miles away from my house typing this out to you you can have your hatman you can have your you can have your sleep paralysis with your spiders <laughs> i do not want to go through that
1: ever again ever well ever, you ever. you bring that up and obviously you're aware of sleep paralysis and those kind of things as somebody who you know has um invested time in the paranormal what for you separates your experiences from somebody having sleep paralysis
3: the awareness and the ability to move my my wife will deny this to the day she died <laughs> I'm not even kidding she has had conversations with somebody in our room and i have woke up and heard the conversations and i have been so petrified i've i've wanted to like wake her up and stop her but i didn't want to like <laughs> I didn't want to do it with one of those where you're laying on your side and you're reaching behind you, going, "Hey, hey, wake, wake up!" I would have felt the need to, like, roll over, and I did not want to see who she was talking to.
1: So is is she fairly skeptic then?
3: Oh no, that never happened. And I'm like, no, it happens. It it, it, it happens. It's happened on several occasions.
1: The veil seems to be thin for you for whatever reason, because. That's those are pretty horrifying experiences.
2: Josh is like, Josh is like, move out of the house and burn it to the ground. <laughs> no, I, I really am. Like, if there's one thing I hate being bothered in, it's when I'm sleeping. So, honestly, yeah, I do not like that at all. Like, talk to me in the daytime, but do not cut sleep. Is <laughs> do, precious. Not up, <laughs> do not wake me up, bro. Do not wake me up because everybody's getting cussed out especially with a weapon.
1: I mean, a scalpel peering down over you as you're yeah. laying on a couch is that's one of the more shocking, you know, short experiences I've heard. I mean, at least the flapper girl, maybe you could develop some kind of relationship and get your wife into it. But the, the, I knew there was going to be a Noah. They knew there was going to have to be a Noah. But point. the, uh, But the, the doctor thing is that's, yeah, that's, that's a little too much to bear. I mean, the the only time I've had anything like that, and I've talked about is that incident I had in Vegas with the ghost, what I conceive as, uh, or what I think was the ghost dad and the ghost kid kind of from that same early era, but but they didn't mess with me or anything. They were pretty stoic. That's creepy enough. Yeah. And that freaked me out. I mean, that. And of course I told my wife and she was like, "Okay, ghost man." You know, like sure. she's just so <laughs> yeah. dismissive. That's the beauty of this podcast, which is is getting this short space of time with a guest like you and and feeling what what truly feels like honest stories and then trying to figure out how how you are the one that experienced those and I'm the one trying to figure out how I compact that into my brain. Uh, so where it doesn't freak me out. So I, I can't even imagine being in that I, home where, where you're having. I these will not.
3: I, if I'm home by myself at night. And so, like every once in a while, Grandma goes out and will spend the night with the granddaughters. Every light on the in the house is on. I'm sleeping in the bedroom with the lights on. I, wow. I am. It and but I love my house. Clearly. You know, I, <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, the one that really gets that that really gets me that she denies actually having happened and it's been numerous occasions is I don't know who she's talking to. That's so I'm hearing, I'm hearing the mumbling,
1: not just her. I'm hearing the mumbling. Have you ever thought about re- trying to re- uh, like set up cameras in your home or anything like that? You know, funny enough, as a podcaster, there's only one room with a camera in it. It's <laughs> the one you're in. It's the one <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. Like yeah. euphemistically
3: referred to it as my studio. um, But it's, I've tried a couple of those uh, apps for like uh, EVP recording, Mm -hmm. and then I've then I've deleted them because I'm not sure I'm ready for something to talk back to me in my own home. Um, I know you guys have used one, or you have some people that you've had on that have used one. What's it called? Is it something? Yeah, yeah, NecroBox or something.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Um, I just don't know that I'm ready for that. Combined with your experiences, that would be tough to hang in there with. Um, Joshua, did you have any final thoughts or questions as we kind of wrap up?
2: Um, well, I know for one thing, like, it doesn't matter what this house is talking about. I will never ghost tie to my own home. Uh, so you are a wise man for uh, just leaving things untampered because the minute you unt- unturn that stuff, like turn that stone over, it's so huh. don't get a rim pod. Don't do an EVP. Don't get an EMF. Don't get any of it. Just like try to make it your sanctuary. And uh, yeah, because like I said, once that portal opens, it's a hard portal to close. I'm not (laughs) opening any portals.
1: (laughs) Well, TC, did you have any final thoughts for our audience? I'll tell people, no matter what realm you find yourself leaning towards or where you find yourself
3: on the scale, don't think you have the answers. Just just do not just seal yourself off, you know, and, and euphemistically go whistling past the graveyard. Uh, Christian, non-Christian, religious, non-religious, uh, theophany, whatever it might, you know, whatever it might be, don't think you have the answers and and never tell somebody that the experience that they had was all in their head because you can actually really do a lot of damage to someone who's had experiences and then you just step in and kind of crap all over that because that's you're basically telling them that they're mentally ill and sure there might be somebody out there mentally ill who's experiencing something that's not real but there are a lot of people who have experiences and they're terrified to talk about it because they don't want to be labeled that way and that's one of the reasons I love you know real hauntings is that you guys are just like down to earth. I mean, you're all up there in the what eights and nines now, but I mean, J- JJ started out as a zero. Well, no, that yeah. was JJ's. JJ's brother was a zero, and yeah, and JJ was a one. Yeah. And I mean, he's a really hard a, one, too. He was basically one. a zero. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he's well over five sometimes, I think, when you talk to him now. Yeah. So, there's too much happening in the world around us for us to think that we are the only ones that have you know that that are experiencing that and heaven forbid that we're the intruders
1: i i think about that all the time maybe they see me and go what are you doing in my house so well until they start helping pay with the mortgage it's my house (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well i'd love for you to do uh, well obviously i appreciate you coming on this was a really enjoyable podcast to do it was great to um get to hang out with joshua as well as we needed to do some catching up too so yeah thank you guys for coming on i uh i really enjoyed this one so with that i'm noah daniels joshua and i'm tc (laughs)